Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. A gospel of law and works. Follow me here, okay? A gospel of law and works is often referred to as legalism. It's a word that we have all heard often, more than likely. A gospel of law and works is often referred to as legalism. And legalism was infiltrating the Lord's church at Galatia. What is legalism? This isn't going to be on the screen It will be in the coming weeks, but I want to go ahead and give you a little bit of a teaser for some upcoming messages. Legalism is placing additional conditions on the salvation, on the salvation of Jesus Christ. Additional conditions other than the sacrifice of Jesus. It is then seeking or striving to uphold these conditions. And the result of this legalism, this distorted, perverted version of the gospel, is a vicious cycle of trying to perform spiritually. In other words, trying to find spiritual worth in your own works instead of just resting in the grace and peace that's available only through Jesus. This is why Paul wrote what many believe to be the key verse in the letter of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is also the theme verse for this entire series. Paul said, for freedom, not for legalism, not for law and not for works, but for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery can be uh, resubmitting again to the sins that Jesus has set you free from. It can also be submitting to a yoke of religion instead of a personal, intimate, deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. Both are yokes of slavery. We'll talk about that more in the weeks to come. There's six chapters in the letter to Galatians. Six chapters in there. The first four weeks of this series, we're in chapters one and two. And so let me remind you of the big picture of chapters 1 and 2. Chapters 1 and 2, we see some personal words from Paul. He's just kind of setting the stage as he's talking to the Galatians. And so he's sharing some personal words with them. And in chapters 1 and 2, Paul is defending the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get you right here at this point in the message to use your imagination with me? God's given us an imagination, all right? So use your imagination with me for a moment. And imagine with me that there is a man in our region, Central Arkansas, Saline County, Benton Bryant, Alexander, Bauxite, Haskell. It's a man in our region that has a reputation. Imagine this with me. And he has a reputation specifically for terrorizing Christians. He's a harasser of Christians. He works with great zeal to persecute the church violently. And he literally seeks to destroy the Lord's church. Now, this is hard for you and I to imagine. 
And it's hard for us to imagine because where we live, we're very privileged. And because we're very privileged, it's hard for us to actually wrap our minds around this taking place where we are. But stay with me. It's just man among us that's violently persecuting us for our faith. Some of our loved ones that attend other churches in the area, they have suffered from his actions. But then you hear about this man and having a life-changing, heart-changing encounter with Jesus. This man that worked ferociously to persecute you, to persecute your church, and possibly even had your loved ones martyred for their Christian faith has now been saved by Jesus. Stick with me here. Now he grows in his faith. He's born again. He takes some necessary steps to mature in Christ. And he begins to grow in the Lord. And after a few years of that, he begins to teach. He begins to preach. He begins to pastor. And he begins to plant churches. Some time goes by. And the next thing you know, you actually find yourself as a member of a church that he helped start. Pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? The church you're a member of begins going through some difficulty protecting the purity and the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. Next thing you know, this man that used to terrorize you and other Christians, maybe even you or your family or, or church members, your former church, he's now turned believer, pastor, missionary, preacher, church planner, and now he's writing a letter to your church. He's writing a letter to your church and is pleading with you to follow his direction not to desert the one true gospel. Some of you hear that and you go, man, praise God, that would be a miracle because of the way Jesus worked in his life. And some of you, though, go, man, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Some of you hear that and you think, I'm not sure if I would actually be willing to welcome that new believer into my church because, you know, maybe just a few months ago or a few years ago, the church security team always had their eyes out for them. But then Jesus gets a hold of them, and Jesus tells you, I actually want you to welcome this man into your church. And I want you to welcome him to the altar for prayer. I want you to begin investing in him, discipling him. I want you to welcome him to your newcomer's lunch. I want you to let him come to home groups. And then after I work in his life, I then want you to send him out as a commissioned pastor, preacher, missionary, and church planner. And he goes out from among you, and he begins to plant more and more churches right here in the region among you. And next thing you know, you're a member of one of his churches. And now he's pleading with you to not abandon the one true gospel. Can you imagine how the believers at Galatia felt? Because this is what they're going through. This is exactly how they might would feel. They're probably thinking, why? some of them are thinking, why should I follow Paul's instructions? He used to terrorize us. Well, Let me take you back to Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. The Lord had so radically changed Paul's life, and Paul had embraced the simplicity and the purity of the gospel, that he says in verse 6 of chapter 1 that he is astonished 
at how quickly people are, are abandoning the gospel for another gospel. And he goes on to say, not that there really is another one, but if there is one, he says, let those who are preaching it be cursed. One of the most literal translations of it is, let them be damned. That's how serious Paul felt about the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm willing to go as far as this and say we should feel the same way. We should feel the same way. We should feel that serious about the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul, in verses 6 through 10, he really stepped foot on the gas pedal. He said some strong things to his brothers and sisters at Galatia. And then in verse 10, he says, hey, listen, I know what I'm saying is strong. I know what I'm saying is vigorous. I know it's blunt and I know it's bold. But he says, I have a question to answer. And the question is this, do I live for your approval or do I live for God's approval? And Paul said, if I live for man's approval, I am no servant of Christ. Therefore, he said, I will live for God's approval. Now, what Paul's going to do in our our verses today, verses 11 through 24, is he's going to kind of pull off that gas pedal just a tad, and he's going to draw in close to his brothers and sisters, and he's going to share his story with them a little bit. He's going to let them know where he had been, where he is now, and what God is continuing to do in his life. So follow along with me, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Let's begin reading there together. Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he, being Jesus, who had set me apart before I was born and had called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who was also Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy And I love this verse, and they glorified God because of me. What was Paul doing here? Uh, Warren Wearsby, he says it this way. He describes Paul as, as doing this. The best way for Paul to prove his point to the Galatians 
was to reach into his past and remind the Galatian Christians of the way that God had dealt with him. See, what Paul is doing here is he's having the courage. He's having the courage to reach back and share his story and allow God to use his story to have influence for the sake of the gospel with these churches. And his story is a story that I like to call the story of a freedom fighter. Paul is a freedom fighter. This sermon today is actually a two-part sermon. I'm preaching part one. One of our men here at the church, Jerome Cooper, he's going to preach part two next Sunday. Today we're looking at this part one, this story of a freedom fighter. Folks, when you are saved by the grace of God, you are saved in order to be set free. Salvation may be free, but the freedom of salvation will always come with a price. Jesus paid the price on the cross, but you and I, we are his soldiers now. And this church, and the church across the United States of America, and the church all around the world is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And whether you realize it or not, and whether you like it or not, you and I are engaged in a battle. The Bible tells us this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers and the authorities of the dark places in the spiritual realm. And those authorities are out to distort and pervert and try to destroy the simple, pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And my role and your role as a believer in 2022, just like it was for Paul in the first century, is to be freedom fighters and to stand up for the sake of the gospel. And some of you may be thinking here today, I don't know how to do that. I get embarrassed. I feel ashamed. What if I come across as a jerk or mean? You can stand up for the gospel without being mean to people. You can stand up for the gospel all the while being gracious. But I will say this, folks, sometimes the gospel is just simply offensive. The gospel pierces the hearts of sinners. And if we don't stand firm on the gospel, how do we expect to ever see a sinful generation of people come to know and experience the grace and the life-changing power of Jesus Christ? Let's look back now at these verses and look at this story of a freedom fighter. Let me give them to you just briefly here. This is Paul's story. We see in Galatians chapter 1, 13 through 14, we see the persecutor. Paul shared there, I used to persecute the church. He says, I actually came against the church violently. I opposed it violently. Paul is sharing his life before Christ. But then he goes on in the following verses to share with us his salvation experience. We see the persecutor, but then he moves us on into his story where we see the believer. Paul goes from being Paul the persecutor to now being Paul the believer. And we see the process 
or the progression of his salvation encounter with the Lord. In verses 15 through 16, we see that God saved Paul. Paul goes on to say in verse 15 that God saved him by grace. In verse 16, not only by grace, but through Jesus. Paul then shares with us in verse 16 that he was saved by grace through Jesus for the sake of others. And then finally, he was saved for the glory of God. So we see Paul the persecutor, we see Paul the believer, and then as he goes on, we see Paul the preacher. In verses 16 through 23, Paul goes on to describe how he grew up into becoming the preacher that God had called him to be, and how he discovered the assignment that God had for him. It's the story of a freedom fighter. Let me give you the application point today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Like Paul, God saved you by grace through Jesus for the sake of others and for his glory. That's it. Paul lays out the experience of salvation for us. If you look at anybody's testimony, it may not be worded the exact same way, the events may not be the exact same events, but the progression is always the same. Like Paul, God saved you by grace through Jesus for the sake of others and for his glory. I mentioned a moment ago that just like Paul, we are called to be freedom fighters. Folks, listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're not that much different than Paul. I'm not that much different than Paul. You may think, well, I didn't write the majority of the New Testament. I I never opposed the church. I never martyred other Christians. I never did any of that. That's not the point. The point is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where Paul was. And we see that Jesus got a hold of him. And so if you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, you had a moment in your life where you realized that you were a sinner that had fallen short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you've never had an encounter with Jesus where you called on his name to be saved and forgiven of your sins so that you might enter into a relationship with him, I'm here to tell you today that you are a sinner and you have fallen short of the glory of God. Let me now move us on through this thought here. God saved you. God saved you. You didn't save yourself. Nothing you could do on your own could save you or bring you into right standing with God. In fact, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that we only love him because he first loved us. God saved you. The Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Like our hearts, when we are left to fend for ourselves, we do not naturally seek God or the things of God. Therefore, without God 
calling us and beckoning us to himself, there's no way that we are ever saved. God saved me and God saved you. And look at this, by grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. There's nothing that you could have done to earn God's grace. Nothing. And I love how Paul describes in verses 11 through 24 how how this was not a gospel that he made up. It was not a gospel that he learned from man. This is God's gospel. Listen, no man could ever come up with grace. No man could do that. That is a God idea. Have you seen how broken and fragile and messed up man's systems are in this world? No man could come up with grace. That's our God. Like Paul, God saves us by his grace through Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the life. There is no other way back to the Father except through him. And there are people today and pastors today that would distort the gospel and are distorting the gospel just like they did in the days of Paul that would have you believe, hey, you know what? God loves us all so much that he's made multiple ways. Folks, God loved you and I so much that he made it really simple and made one way. And that one way is Jesus Christ. Listen, I see these bumper stickers that talk about, you know, coexisting and and all that and how there's multiple ways and all this stuff. Listen, I'm all for us loving our neighbors. That's biblical. I'm all for us having dialogue and conversations with people that believe differently than us. But where I draw the line is saying, hey, your gospel is the same as my gospel. I draw the line there because there is only one true gospel. And as Paul said, it's Jesus Christ. That is the one true gospel. And so like Paul, God saved you by grace through Jesus, watch this, for the sake of others. For the sake of others. I love the way Tony Evans says it. Tony Evans says, let's be clear. You are not here just for you. You are here for others. You have been crafted and created by God as an instrument of influence for the furthering of his kingdom agenda on earth. Folks, I hate to like, you know, maybe mess some things up for some of you, but your life is not about you. It's not about you. God's given you a story. He's given you a past. He's given you adversity and trials and different circumstances to be able to minister from. But none of it's about you. It's all about him. And it's all about his redeeming power. And it's all about him drawing you into a deep abiding relationship with him and helping you see that when you try to live and exist outside of him, your time here on earth is a miserable miserable, anxious-filled existence here on earth. But when we learn that our lives are for him and that we exist for him and for his purposes and for his glory, we are able to live life with a peace that surpasses all understanding. We are able to live our days a little less anxious, a little less troubled, 
and we are able to lean into Jesus and seek his kingdom and, and remember what he said, that if I feed the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, imagine how much more I will provide for you. And that's our king. That's our Jesus. That's who, that's who we belong to. That's who we are here for. For his glory and to impact other people. I'm thankful for a man like Paul that was willing to share his story with the group of believers that he had a heart for, that he wanted to see lean into the pure, simple gospel of Jesus and not be detoured or distracted or caught off guard by some gospel of law and works, but instead a gospel of freedom that only comes from Jesus Christ. So Paul has given us some personal remarks. Paul has laid some some foundation for us. Next week, as we continue to move on into this book, we're going to see as Paul gets into even more about his own story, and he begins to get into some of the more specific things that we are going to learn about through the letter of Galatians that also apply to you and I in 2022. But as Marianne makes her way to the stage, and as we get ready to go into a time of prayer and a time of decision, I just want to ask you this. Have you taken time recently to just pause, to just pause and reflect back on God's saving power in your life? Have you taken time to just pause and look back and remember God saved you? God saved you by his grace through Jesus for the sake of others and for his glory. You know, the Bible tells us there in verses 11 through 23 that Paul went to Arabia where he spent some time with the Lord and growing in the Lord. I just wonder if we can take some time here to come into the altar, whether it be down here or be at your chair where you're sitting at, and just imagine your Arabia where you are. And go before the Lord there in your Arabia And be thankful for the work that God has done in your life, for the work that God is doing in your life, and for the work that he is going to do in your life if you will continue to stand firm on the one true gospel. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.